done. Josh, how awful are like baby cries? Top like three annoying sound in the world. It might be top one. What's yeah, worse? I said that. I, you gotta mix out like warfare and shit like that. You know, guns, <laughs> bombs. <laughs> Is that worse though? <laughs> Nonviolent noises. Nonviolent noises by far the worst. Like, there's nothing worse than this. I'd rather listen to like fingernails on chalk, styrofoam rubbing each other. What are the typical noises that you hear? Like a lawnmower at six a.m. on a Sunday. All of these things are better than a baby crying. Yeah, fingernails on chalk might be tough, but outside yeah, of that, I hate fingernails on chalks. Oh, yeah, also an awful one: bad brakes. Like when someone oh. when the, someone's car has bad brakes. Oh, that noise kills. Yeah, me. my car has that. <laughs> Only in the beginning, though. Only in the beginning. It's, if it's really cold. Yeah. And you move your car, like the first brake, it's like very loud. And then after that, it's fine. It's just yeah. like, I guess some ice builds up in between the brake pad. and Yeah, I have yeah, the same issue. Nice. All right. I guess we shall start. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran. And on the line, just chilling, chilling in the doghouse. Josh, going, how you doing? Recovering from yesterday, so, you know, doing all right. Can't complain. Uh, doing as well as my Timberwolves. Ah, but not your Mavericks. No, definitely not, you know, as good as the Mavericks, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, at least the Mavericks are better than the Rockets, right, Raj? I don't know if they are. Let me have my intro. Let me have my <laughs> intro. Let me let me breathe. Uh, <laughs> Banging that paint. Our residential medical expert. Raj, can you diagnose what's wrong with Josh today? Is it just a case of the softness after a game night? You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to take it easy on Josh because if I take it easy on him, maybe he'll take it easy on me for this podcast. Absolutely not. Raj, you and Have I both roasted, tried to roast Carl Anthony Towns last week and we were just made a fool. This guy hit a game winner and game clinching free throws in two separate games, obviously, in his first two games back. And uh, I gotta admit, he, he's like fitting in pretty seamlessly right now. Uh, I would, like, in a selfish manner, I wish it was worse. You know, I wish that, like, Carl Anthony Towns is like killing all the vibes and, like, everyone was just doing awfully around him, you know? But, uh,. Having a good point guard like Mike Conley tends to help a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Who knew? Who knew that all he needed was a good floor general? I guess, well, literally everyone who watched the Timberwolves all year has said it until the trade deadline. So that's who knew. Josh, take your victory lap, man. Just praises to Carl Anthony Towns. Apparently the best center ever. According to him, the best shooter ever. You know, whatever. I mean, the best big man shooter ever is a bit far. He said that in a podcast recently, too. It's like, you know, you got to do it in the playoffs first before you are ahead of Dirk Nowitzki, you know? So relax on that. Three-point shooting, maybe, because the no. numbers are there. Only eh. because of volume, man. No, he's not better than Dirk as a three-point shooter. Or Rashid Wallace. Give me Sheed. Okay, no, <laughs> relax. Relax. Has, yep. has, has Carl Anthony Towns ever shot left-handed in a game? From three, I, I think, think maybe so. we should bring up Matt Bonner in this com you know this conversation. Then the oh. Red Rocket, 
Now we're talking. See, now we're talking. Imagine that three point contest. No, but I mean, over the course of the two games, like Towns obviously didn't play that well against the Warriors, but he hit two of the biggest. I mean, obviously the biggest shot of the game, but he had another three down the stretch as well. And the biggest thing I noticed with the Timberwolves is their rotation is freaking massive. Like they have a lot of swing guys on this team. Like Prince didn't even play last game, and they were still able to beat the Kings without Towns. And I think that game sort of showed Sacramento shortcomings in that when they have to play a full-court game and they have to finish over size um, and it's slowed down and the other team's getting a lot of rebounds, you know, there's not a lot they can do. So in terms of the Timberwolves, though, like they're catching fire at the right time. They're beating a lot of these good teams along the way. And Kyle Anderson has been a godsend for them. Show some respect, Raj. Don't scoff at Kyle Anderson. What the hell? I I love how Josh picks up on a a good role player and and gives him probably some uh, rightful respect. He was a good player on Memphis. I think probably underrated there. And uh, but he has no love for players like Jake Crowder. So that's why I scoff not at Kyle Anderson, but um, at recognizing role players that help teams win. Obviously, Kyle Anderson um, had a, a big load um, to, to take for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, one cat went down. But um, I, I think overall, like me, you, I think a lot of even Minnesota Timberwolves fans were impressed how quickly Cat seamlessly transitioned. He had a, a big few buckets against um, when they were playing the Lakers, I believe. Was it the Lakers? Uh, the Warriors. Warriors. The Warriors. And the Kings. Yeah, yeah, when uh, Kyle Anderson got that steal. And uh, again, I'm going to give credit where uh, credit is due. Josh, I completely completely was off on that one. But you know what? Maybe we'll meet halfway in between. Like, Minnesota may end up making those play-in games, and Cat coming back was a good thing, but they were never going to be the one seed. How about that? Well, it's tough when you, you know, you're missing your second or potentially first best player for basically the entire season, you know? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not telling me Cat's better than Ant at this point. This is Ant's team. Let's calm down. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves with the Anthony Edwards love, even this year. Like, the media loves this guy. And he's played in almost every game this year. But they're treating him like he's a superstar. He's not a superstar yet. Let's give him some time, you know? Maybe in this playoffs is when he finally branches out and becomes that level of player. And, you know, as you said, Mike Conley's become the connector on this team. He's a guy that's, you know, running all these plays and making sure that everything fits. And these guys are getting the ball in spots that, you know, they can actually do something with it. Whereas with Russell, it's more random. They don't know when they're getting the ball. Like the biggest, you know, factor that I've noticed with, you know, Minnesota improving the last few games, especially is Nas Reed. When he comes off the bench, he's playing with the big guys. And earlier in the year, that did not work at all. And they couldn't play him <laughs> with Towns or Gobert, and thus they really couldn't play him. But now that they have two connectors, not only Conley, but uh, Jordan McLaughlin's back as well. And he's like a pure point guard off the bench who doesn't want to shoot. So you get those guys just trying to set up Nas Reed and trying to set up Gobert. Um, that's you know a name that we haven't brought up yet. Like Gobert's been phenomenal the last 20 to 30 games. He's actually looked like himself. So even though we want to kill the trade, obviously, which is totally fine, he has been good the last 20 to 30 games, and he has looked like himself recently. Raj, you're not feeling uh, Rudy Gobert these days, huh? 
Well, again, Josh finished his point. So, again, I think Rudy Gobert was a a questionable addition to the Timberwolves in terms of fit. Like, he cost your team the future. You had to give up a lot of young players, and he doesn't even play usually in crunch time. Um, so Wait, what? I, I think... Yes, he does. He doesn't play... Uh, he always I plays think, in crunch time. Uh, sometimes... He doesn't play all the time in crunch time, depending on if the other team's playing small. Come on, man. Play small with who? No, it's not the playoffs yet. It's not the playoffs yet. Rudy Gobert is going to play until the playoffs. And I I also think if you look at how teams want to play, a lot of teams end up playing small. And if you have Gobert and Cat, you're just asking for problems for other teams to attack those two bigs. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, but uh, also the play-in talk. Minnesota's in sixth right now, and I know there's not many games that are separating the teams and everything, but they've won, what, four in a row now? And they have a lot of games coming up against, uh, you know, teams in that range. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Like, there's a massive game tonight, obviously, with the Pelicans and the Warriors. Warriors are in seventh, Pelicans are in eighth, and there's a half game between those teams. Golden State's tied with Minnesota right now after losing to them. So that was a very consequential turnover by Draymond Green leading to that Cat 3. So it's going to be very <laughs> interesting to see what happens in the next uh, couple games. Yo, relax. Games in March don't matter to Draymond Green, okay? Well, they will Remember when he make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, you have to make the playoffs before they start. You can say start making statements like that. Nah, Draymond Green doesn't matter. He's above it all, remember? <laughs> I, I just want to point out podcast. as well, with Memphis now in second place two and a half games ahead of the kings you guys should be cheering for minnesota right now because the more they win the better the chance we get golden state and memphis in the first round and that's what we want honestly i think it's too early to look at predictions um obviously there's six seven games left i think the win total we talked about this last podcast the win total that teams will need to get to is 41 games like if you have a 500 record you have a chance to be in the play-in tournament um under 41 wins won't get you there. And I, I think there's just so much maneuvering that can happen in the next couple of games. It, it might come down to tie breaks, um, a game, the last game of the season. So, yeah, it would be fun to watch Memphis, Golden State, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I do think the Jazz falling off in this race for the play-in tournament um, has definitely taken some of the excitement out of it now there's obviously the Mavs who are looking in and uh, I know we're going to talk about them but um, I I would want to see the Mavs I think the one team that I really wouldn't want to see is I wouldn't want to see the Pelicans without Zion to be honest Um, and uh, I I think that's who I'm I'm looking for more than the matchups I just want to see the Mavs in the playoffs with Kyrie and Luka and see them implode would you rather watch the Memphis Grizzlies go against the the Warriors, which would be hilarious because of Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green, or would you want to watch the Memphis Grizzlies and the LA Lakers due to Dylan Brooks again versus apparently celebrities? Shannon Sharp. Hmm? Hmm? Bloggers, he calls them. Yeah, Shannon Sharp the blogger or Draymond Green the podcaster? versus Dylan Brooks. I mean, both are entertaining as hell. So as long as we get one of those matchups, I don't really care. 
Yeah, again, I, I think we'll save the matchups for next podcast when the picture is more clear. Um, but I, I, I do want to talk about the Mavericks. Do we want to see the Mavericks or the Pelicans? Because it, it seems like OKC is just that young team. They deserve to at least play in the play-in tournament to get that experience under their belt. Uh, I, it'd be a travesty if they don't make it. I think it comes down to, do you want to see the Mavs with Luka and Kyrie make it, probably not make a big impact? Or would you want to see the Pelicans likely without Zion? Uh, I I think it's a pretty easy choice between the Mavericks and anybody else at this point if there's no Zion. Like, I'd rather see Luka and Kyrie go against Denver. Because at least that would be a it would be an interesting series, be fun to watch. It might be like a four zero series or a four one series, but it would still be fun. Whereas teams like Oklahoma City, I don't think they would have any chance against Denver. The Pelicans, I'm not saying they would have a chance, but they would make it tough depending on who's healthy. The Pelicans actually have a pretty solid defense, and Brandon Ingram is tough in the playoffs. That's a matchup problem. Against so, the Nuggets. I think the games would be close. I think they'd be closer than they would be with uh, Oklahoma City for sure. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. OKC is feisty. Yeah, and I, I think OKC is just they have that under like um they're the underdog mentality, they're wild cards. Um I, I, I really would love to see OKC in the playoffs. I, I don't think they would end up beating any team, but because they play hard every possession, I think they may end up getting swept, but it would be close games. I don't expect any big blowouts. I expect Shea to put on a performance. It would be, I think, his first time in the playoffs because I don't think he played with the, no, no. the Clippers He's in the playoffs. The playoffs so he did. He made he the has playoffs one, with one series? CP3 and Schroeder when they lost the Rockets. He also made it with the Clippers in his rookie year. Yeah, it sounds right. With the Clippers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was like him and uh, it was like that Lou Will and Pat Bev team. Then they got well, he hasn't in the made the round, but yeah, yeah, he he hasn't made it to the playoffs as the focal point. There you go. Yeah, that is correct. I mean, I'll take Shea. I'd I'd rather watch Shea than the the Pelicans. Also, partially just because I'm tired of this Pelicans narrative of you know them being a godsend. They could have been the best team in the league and all that kind of crap. Nah, man. Nah, I'm good. Hard pass. That's it. I mean, I, I just, I'm just tired of hearing it. Oh, everything revolves around Zion how, and how he's hurt. We get it. You built your team around an injured player. The whole expectation was around an injured player. And he's injured all the time. whoop de doo Come on, man. Yeah, they might have to look at their roster at some point and decide between Zion and Ingram because both guys are injured for the majority of the seasons the last couple of years. Even Ingram has had, like, toe injuries and leg injuries and knee injuries, so... You can't have two guys like that that are your stars that play 20 to 30 games in a season. You can. Just ask the Clippers. Yeah, that team might uh, (laughs) not make the playoffs either. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, going back to um, the Pelicans, I I, I think, again, not to, to poke the bear here, but we may talk about Zion like we're talking about Ben Simmons. Obviously for completely different reasons uh but I'm, I'm saying what if like we might look at zion's career and be like what if that's the not, same way now i think I'll... that's not the comparison though like ben simmons you know me- mentally just 
checked out. I don't think Zion mentally is ever going to check out from his play style. It's more so, you got to compare him to somebody like Grant Hill. Like, what could have been, you know? Greg yeah, but, but I think you can of... make the same... Yeah, Brandon Williams. Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I really think you do have to ask the question, like, with Ben Simmons, like, what if he had a bit more mental fortitude? What if he was placed in an environment where he didn't have to be uh, uh, a star and he's just oh, able to play? But... Oh, what are we doing? Ben, the the comparison for Ben Simmons' career trajectory, I have two guys in mind. To a lesser extent, Larry Sanders. Not, like, as a good comparison. But the better one, Andrew Bynum. Never really loved yeah. the game. Somehow fell into it. Ben Simmons never loved the game from, like, LSU from what it looks like, man. That dude was just chilling the whole time. Um, apparently, he's still, like, going out to partying and shit in L.A., which means that he's not even in Brooklyn with his team. This dude's just straight chilling right now. Bynum did the exact yeah. same thing after after LA. Like basically after he had the the Lakers organization like holding him down, as soon as he got to Indiana, to Philly, man, this guy was just reckless with his body, with his rehab. He was just chilling. He was enjoying being a rich guy. That's exactly what Ben Simmons is doing too. He's just enjoying the fame. So do you think it's a Philly problem then? Because those both those guys nah. went to Philly. Some guys just don't love it, man. You know no, what I mean? Some I, guys are just I, I happy agree. being rich. I, like, more yeah, power but, to them, I guess. Yeah, but again, I, I still wonder the same. I still think that we're going to ask this question of Zion's career if he doesn't if he doesn't play at least 100 games in the next two seasons combined. There's going to be questions about what if with Zion. And... There's only so much, oh, we're waiting for him to get healthy. We're waiting him to make changes to his body composition, his playing style. Until you realize that this player may never actually reach those goals or those what-if possibilities. Um, but I do agree with Josh. I think the Pelicans are in a position where they have a lot of young players. Um, they have a lot of good young wing players, which are a commodity in this league. Um, they have Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, obviously CJ McCollum. Like they're gonna have to make some decisions on where their team goes and what are the expectations if Zion and and um, Brandon Ingram aren't on the court. Plain and simple. So Zion has been in the NBA for four years, right? This is his fourth year. Uh, let's go with over under a hundred games that played in the regular season so far. What do you guys think? <laughs> Under. Oh, well, he's probably just over, but I'm going to say under. Yeah, I'll take the over then. 114. There you go. Yeah. I was going to say like 120. 24 games Four. in his rookie year, 61 in his second year, which is when like everyone really fell in love with Zion. Uh, obviously, no play last year because he sat out. And then 29 games is so far this year. He has to play 100 games in the next two years. At this rate, it'll be three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's rough, man. It's sad, too, because when he plays, like, I think they were first in the West, right? Or second in the West. They were, like, second or third. But they were definitely top yeah. three. But they were going up, though. They were, and yeah. just like Zion. And then he went up too far. And that I was have no idea if that's too. what happened with his injury. <laughs> like... 
they have the roster going into next year, right? Like most of these guys are, you know, under contract. They have to figure out the center position. I think that's their biggest weakness besides health, obviously. Um, they got to figure out what to do with Jonas because I sort of like them together in certain matchups, but overall you want to get a guy like, like a Miles Turner where a guy that can defend the rim um, in that lineup. And then you really have something because you'll have a top five defense with Zion and Ingram. And that's pretty good offensively, obviously. So, but again, they have to stay healthy. So they got to figure something out. Like what they should do is just offer the Phoenix training staff, whatever amount of money that they want. The guys that kept Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire um, healthy over the course of those years, get those guys is, in there. That stuff is gone, man. Like that was like almost twenty years ago. <laughs> well, rehire them, give them the Come bag. On. It's like it's been like fifteen to twenty years. This guy's talking about Steve Nash in his prime. Come on, man. <laughs> if you can keep those guys healthy, you can keep Zion and Ingram healthy, dude. If you can find me. NBA staffers that were around in 2007, I will be impressed. There's well, not that many kids sticking then. around. <laughs> hire their kids. Hire their kids. Come on, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. This the Zion situation is kind of sad. That's it. That's all I got. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. What do you do? You can't really do anything else. I don't. I don't think that Ingram and Zion can fit together long term either. Obviously, they're good now, but. Over time, they're going to need to, I mean, we've already said it, decide one way or the other which way to go. Sad stuff, man. Maybe they should just uh, rely on Jackson Hayes to develop along with Zion. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best idea. No. Maybe maybe Jonas can just become a top five shooter again in the league. Yeah, that was a nice week stretch for him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Just like it was. He for probably him. just practiced so many threes. <laughs> it's a like corner threes all day. Just like Utah Watanabe this year. <laughs> Smart guys, man, make a living somewhere. Um, I mean, I guess we could sort of move on to the Dallas Mavericks now. They've pitifully, just absolutely pitifully, lost a back-to-back series against the Charlotte Hornets this past weekend, and. I mean pitifully because one was at home in Dallas. The, the, the fact that they needed these two games, and obviously Charlotte's playing for some pride, but they weren't, especially in the second game, like they were knocking on the door. They made it somewhat close, but they really can't defend. And also this experiment with Kyrie and Luka is obviously not going so well. They, have, they basically gave up their best defender. Um, and Luka doesn't look like he's having fun. And I think it's a little more to do with something in his personal life than just the Mavericks. But um, again, this team is not the threat that they were last year, a team that knocked out the number one seed in the Phoenix Suns. This team is basically swimming without uh, any sign of seeing any shore. And they're probably going to drown some point in the season. And obviously when that happens, I wouldn't want to be with Kyrie because he's obviously going to implode and bring down a few other players with him. I think they might have already drowned, honestly, and losing those two games. I think they're now. I think they're two games behind the Thunder because of the tiebreaker. So they're gonna have to rely on either the Thunder or the teams above them to lose a lot of games. And you have no faith in the Mavericks actually winning games they're supposed to at this point. I mean, the Mavericks are obviously praying tomorrow that Embiid and Harden sit out so they can actually have a chance to win that game. But even if Harden and Embiid sit out, they might still lose. 
Because, you They're know, Philly lose. put up a good... Hmm? They're going to lose. I, I would They're not be lose. surprised, honestly. And as awful as it is to say, like, it might be better for them in the future because if they actually get a top 10 pick, maybe you can actually turn that into something or maybe it turns into Victor. You never know. But that's a discussion for another day. In terms of this roster itself, in watching some of the Charlotte games, the biggest difference to me is the Dallas team doesn't really have a lot of athleticism. Right? Like, you watch Charlotte, and you have guys like JT Thor and Bryce McGowan, guys who, you know, nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> and they're just, like, jumping over everybody, getting rebounds. They're all over the floor. They're, like, stunning to Luka, making him make decisions he's not used to, which might be a strategy that, you know, teams actually implore in the playoffs if they actually were able to make it, which they're probably not going to at this point. But they were just super quick and all over the floor. DSJ obviously had the two daggers in both games, which is hilarious in itself. Um, but yeah, like Dallas just doesn't have the talent and the athleticism on the wing, especially. Um, but obviously, like they're still starting Dwight Powell after like five seasons. So like, what are we even doing here? All they had to do was get a guy like a Mitchell Robinson type, you know, a guy that can defend the basket a little bit, get a bunch of rebounds. They got JaVale. Just... Oh, God. <laughs> man. And he's mid-level, under contract next year, too. That's the worst part Mid-level of exception JaVale McGee, man. The guy can barely get on the floor with a mid-level. Yeah. My God. Like, he gets less minutes than Christian Wood, and Jason Kidd hates Christian Wood. <laughs> That's how sad this is now. I get it. The Mavs are stupid. They took a giant gamble on Kyrie. They traded away two of their best wing defenders in Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. They don't have a good front court. I mean, we already went through it. They're relying on Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba and two guys that don't leave the bench because Jason Kidd hates them. There's not really much hope, right? Luca's in his, what, fourth year? Fifth year? Somewhere around there? Fifth year? And we're there's a high likelihood that we just don't see him in the playoffs again this year. This year. Sorry, not again, but just this year. And I'm fine with it. They deserve it. I don't want to reward any bad gambles. You know, they knew what was going to happen with this trade. They knew the gamble they were taking. Even before the trade, to be honest, because they sort of just let Jalen Brunson walk out the door without getting anything in return for him last summer. It just seems like a very poorly managed situation in Dallas. And on top of it all, I just don't like the way they play with Luka. Like, personally... I hated it when Harden did the same thing, when it was just one dude who handles the rock 70% of the game, and then he'll dish it out for an open three or a cor- like a contested corner three. That's not the kind of basketball I want to watch. I think Luka can do more than that. I think that the team can do more than that if they were given like the opportunity to, which there's a high likelihood that there will be a coaching change this summer. And that's it. I'm good on this Mavericks team. I'm I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to hear see Kyrie getting fans kicked out of the stadium, out of the arena, because they allegedly talk shit to him. I don't want to hear about Luca's personal issues off the court. I'm good, man. I'm done. I'm done with this dramatic season for the Mavs. Just push him out of the way, Josh. Raj, just sweep them out. Sweep them away like every other Texas team this year. Hey, you know, actually, if you look at it for the long term, 
longevity of the Mavericks, it may be better for them not to make the playoffs. Because then that Kyrie experiment completely failed. They're less likely to re-sign him. That gives them a lot more cap freedom to make some roster movements to put a better surrounding cast around Luka. I think earlier they tried to surround him with some proven veterans, players that will obviously work in their system and they've had some success with Luca. Let's not discount the first four years where he's had some really good series against the Clippers. He beat the number one seed in the Phoenix Suns. Clearly Luca can ball and clearly they want to make him the cornerstone of the franchise for the next 10 years. So I actually think Mark Cuban, when he's looking at this schedule, obviously they want to win. They do probably want to make the playoffs just for a pride point of view, but You kind of have to wonder, if they don't, it's very easy to be like, okay, Kyrie, we're not giving you the bag. That puts a lot of pressure on Nico Harrison, who's the GM of uh, the Mavs, to to make some from free agent acquisitions, reorganize the roster. And I do think Jason Kidd will probably get the axe, um, just kind of given how he really hasn't, like, he's had some success, but... Uh, I, I think he's they've plateaued with him and they'll probably have to bring in another coach and kind of give it another shot. But this team is going nowhere. And just imagine if they had Kyrie Irving on the books for the next four years. Like, how can you afford another good level player or a few other players to round out your roster? And which player is going to play well with such ball-heavy dominant players in Kyrie and Luka? I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it is definitely not a good thing for them because then they're they might be in rough waters with Luca, right? Like you have to win to make him happy, and that's the most important thing for their organization. So if they don't end up making the playoffs this year, especially, it's it's not a good look. And the cap space talk, it just it doesn't work because you have to still be able to trade at least one more guy to open up a max slot. And if you don't have the max slot, then you might bring in two average-ish players and you just traded that away, right? So you're basically back to where you were pre-Kyrie trade. So they're in a very rough spot that they put themselves in, obviously. And we might be getting close or maybe a year or two away from Luka becoming one of the next guys that asks out. Maybe, but... I don't know if it's much better to make the playoffs limping and then just get beat down by the Nuggets if they do make the playoffs or somehow if they make the seven seed, get beat down by the Grizzlies. And you're not going to look at them and be like, wow, Luca, you happy with that? Like, I don't think so. And then he's going to look at the roster and be like, shoot, now we're going to... No, no, he's not going to be happy with not making the playoffs. That's 10 times worse. I don't know about that. Oh, 100%. He's like been noted as like one of the most competitive guys that's been in the NBA in the last He, he looks years. pretty like miserable now, losing. though. Like he doesn't look like he's enjoying being on the court right now. And I don't know if it's necessarily about he's winning. He's going to be even more miserable if he doesn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I guess time will tell. Yeah, we're trying to get in the guy's head right now. It's like, <laughs> I don't think we're in any position to be doing that. It's just obvious that he's not having fun. Nobody on that team is having fun. Literally not a single person. So, ugh. let's just move on. Um, I want to ask you guys something a little bit funner, you know, a little bit lighter. This this weird MVP situation where 
Nikola Jokic goes against Giannis Antetokounmpo on Saturday night in Denver. Milwaukee's on the tail end of a back-to-back, so let's make sure that that's noted. And, you know, after the first quarter, Denver pulls ahead. Jokic obviously has an incredible game. They get the W. Giannis has a good game as well, but, you know, Denver had their number from the second quarter onwards. And then on Monday night, we were all waiting for this since two months ago, I think is when Denver went to Philly. But that Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic matchup was going to happen. Embiid's playing all these games, says that, says after the Golden State game that he played extra hard against Golden State because Draymond said on his podcast that Jokic is the hardest player for him to guard. And Embiid goes, screw you, Draymond. Apparently a lot of players are saying that. I'm the hardest player to guard. And then he just, he's out. He's sitting. He's got to make sure that he's okay, that his injuries are well taken care of. I mean, it was, a, it was a very disappointing turn of events. James Harden didn't play either, which I'm sure affected Embiid's decision or the team's decision to sit Embiid. Um, all that to say, does it really affect the MVP race that Embiid didn't play in this game, Raj? Do we think that Embiid's just doing the right thing and sort of just focusing on the playoffs here? Because we know that he's been campaigning for MVP, even if he says he hasn't. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't think you can just isolate the decision of him not playing for rest in a vacuum like that. I think you have to look at what Embiid has said in the past, how he thinks he has deserved to be MVP. He thinks he's done everything he could to be MVP. Um, he feels like he doesn't get enough love or recognition for what he's done. And those statements can be true. But saying that and then not playing in a game... And then in the future, if he does bring this up, I think you're just contradicting yourself. Um, Jokic, again, is on one of the top teams in the West and he plays a lot of games um, and he's rarely taking nights off. And I, I again, if you if you look at who wins MVP this year and if it's not Embiid, he can't come around and say he didn't get love. He cannot be bitter. I think you lose that credibility and... You don't have a a voice to be mad. Obviously, you can feel like you want to win, but hey, you didn't do everything in your power to win um, MVP. So, uh, but overall, for the the overall benefit of the 76ers, if Harden's not going to play, and again, I'm not, I don't think Philadelphia was on back to backs that night either. So, I think if Harden wasn't going to play, you're probably looking at a tougher matchup. You're missing one of your star players. It's better to rest both your star players in the same game and then have both of them available for the next just in terms of uh, continuity, having a chance to win. And uh, I think Josh has moved to Cancun here. And uh, again, I know we talked two weeks ago um, to how the... Philadelphia 76ers have these expectations to to win the whole, at least make the NBA Finals. So, hey, this is a move that is probably for that direction, but can't argue Embiid now. Like, you missed the game. I think if this was game five of the playoffs, you'd be playing, right? So it wasn't an injury that kept him out. It was just a decision that he'd made for the, the best of the 76ers and for the team, not individual awards. The whole scenario just confuses me because they weren't on a back-to-back, and I understand load managing if there's a bunch of games on the road or if the 
training staff looks at it like, okay, these guys have played this many games and this many nights, but then why not just sit them out against Golden State or sit them out on Wednesday against the Mavericks? Because you effectively just ended his MVP campaign after that game because everyone you know was looking forward to it, obviously, and this was the one thing that could have maybe pushed him ahead of Jokic if he wasn't there already. And I just wonder like, how they brought this up in a conversation to him, like who had the chat with him. Because you would think that Embiid, you know, a guy who's been campaigning for the MVP award for the last couple of years, would say, absolutely not, you are not doing this, I am playing regardless. But I'm just confused as to what was, you know, the tipping point for them being able to convince him to take this game off. You know, like, in terms of the overall picture of potentially winning the championship, was it a good move? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a good move to rest a guy who's been injured for most of his career at certain points later in the season, so he's ready for the playoffs. But choosing this specific, you know, specific game, very odd choice. Yeah, like, just another element. We don't necessarily know that it was strictly the 76ers organization's idea. It could have been partly in beads. He could have looked at this matchup and been like, oh, Harden's not going to play. I don't like our chances and I don't want to hear the narrative that because Jokic and the Nuggets beat the 76ers without me and Harden with one of our star players is not playing that I'm going to lose this MVP um, trophy. And so he might have been like, you know what, I'd rather just not play and not have this discussion come up and understand that the vote's going to go how it is and it's not going to come down to this one game because... I know we all look at this game and circle it on our calendars and two big men who are dominant, two of the, the best big men in their positions, obviously with Giannis as well. Um, and we want to see these marquee matchups and especially one from the Eastern Conference and one from the West. We don't see it often, but I don't know if it was Embiid's a decision. I don't know if it was the 76ers. I don't know if it was training staff, if it was something else at play, but Embiid, you can't complain here. Uh, you're probably going to play tonight against Dallas or tomorrow night against Dallas. So it's a bit of a disappointment, but it is what it is. Yo, Josh, you're just like a little floating head now that you've blurred your background. It's so absurd. <laughs> yeah, go back to the, the beach, Yo, Josh. Man, yeah, go to the beach. Three, two, one, Cancun. Yeah, yeah. Go join the, the Houston Rockets and San Antonio Spurs in Cancun. Not the, not the Charlotte Hornets, though, because they're still kicking Maverick ass around here. You know? Only some teams are in Cancun, apparently. Josh, hit us with some stats corner while you're at it. I got a couple things this week for you guys, as usual. I think this week is going to be really interesting, though. So my first question is the best question. Mikhail Bridges has scored 40-plus points in a game twice since arriving in Brooklyn. He is the fifth player over the last 20 seasons to record multiple 40-point games with a team he joined mid-season. Can you name the four other players? In the last how many years? 20 seasons to record multiple 40-point games with a team they joined mid-season. Big names. And they're all shooting guards. They're all shooting guards. I'll give you that hint. Okay, I'm going to say Jimmy Butler. Oh, he didn't actually leave midseason. He did. I thought he always left, actually. No, okay. he left Minnesota. When he went... No, he has been traded. Yeah, he, at least he was once. traded to Minnesota, uh, from Minnesota to Philly midseason. That was a good guess. Uh, Jamal Crawford? 
Correct. Jamal Crawford in 2008, 2009. Every, every scoring question should have Jamal Crawford as an answer. J- How about this? James Harden. Correct. 2020, 2021. Nice, nice, nice. We're flowing, Raj. Um, that's all I got. Uh. <laughs> Which other prolific shooting uh. guards that have been traded? Would you like a hint? Sure. No, no, give me a sec. Give oh. me a sec. Fine, Peter. Fine. We'll go for hints. <laughs> So this is early two thousands. Early two thousand shooting. AI. Correct. Mm. Well, this is mid two thousands for him, but two thousand six, two thousand seven. The answer. Oof. Shouts to our boy Max. Is an AI a point guard? (laughs) No. We've had the. We've had this argument many times here, man. I'll get back into it if you want. Eric Snow played point guard for that, you know, that, not the title team, but the team that went to the finals. Okay, so two more, okay. right? One more. Oh, Mikael Bridges was there. One more. You s- yeah, yeah. Okay. My bad. You got Harden, Jamal Crawford, Allen Iverson, and you got one more. Hmm. Monte Ellis. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Monte Ellis. I'm just, I want to put his name out there. Dwayne Wade? Nope. T-Mac? Nope. He got traded, I think, at the end of the season. Hmm. What what era are we looking at here? What time span? Early oh, 2000s. Still. Okay. Jalen Rose? No. Hell no. Hell no. You for real? Oh, man. This is rough, Raj. This is tough. <clears throat> are we... Are we looking east or west? J- what about Jason Terry? Oh. If I if I say that, it's going to give it away. Oh, is it Joe Johnson? Nope. There's at least one person listening to this right now that's like, "Come on, guys, <laughs> say the name." How do you not know this? Uh. You want a hint? Sure. Throw it out there. You watched him more than anybody else. Me, up, most likely. Both of you. VC? <laughs> there oh you go. God. Vince Carter, 2004, 2005. Oh. I consider him a small forward, but sure. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, man. Vince is like... Vince became a small forward when he went to Orlando. At the earliest. Maybe even Dallas. <laughs> Good try, though. Good try. That was good. I like that. Something that was good. That was a bit of a throwback. Yeah. I have one more if you'd Let's like. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Redeem ourselves, Peter. Yeah. All right. So we'll go for a, a team-centric stats corner here. Uh, as of a couple days ago, can you name the highest catch-and-shoot three-point percentage among teams? And then we'll do the lowest right after that. Sorry, can you repeat right. that? How, top or how many? I was reading a text message. So the highest catch and shoot three point percentage among teams this year so far. Okay. Uh, am I gonna start? Denver. Yeah, Golden State. Sure. Uh, I guess you're not starting, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a no. No to surprise. No to what? They are not in the top five of highest catch and shoot three Hold point on. percentage Go- among Golden teams. Golden State or Denver. Uh, Denver is, I didn't hear you say oh, Denver, yeah. sorry about that. Denver is number three at 39.4. Of course they are. 
With Nikola Jokic diamond you up, you better be top three. Uh, how's about Sacramento? No, uh, not in top five. Best offense ever, apparently. Seems that that list what happens about every year. Milwaukee. No. Brooklyn? Correct. Still on the list because of KD and Kyrie at 39.1. That's not because of KD and Kyrie. It's because of Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, boy. Mm, and sure, Dorian sure. Finney-Smith. Talk to him. The missing link. The missing Spencer link. Dinwiddie. Return back. <laughs> yeah, Mr. 0 for Yo, 10. I, uh, no, that was brutal. <laughs> Killed my fantasy team. But I love this Brooklyn team, man. I can watch Brooklyn all day. They're so fun to watch. Yeah, they just... They just play hard. Yeah, a bunch of wing players just hooping. I love it. All right, Raj, get us one here. Oh man, catch and point, uh, catch and shoot threes. We said Boston. You have not, and that is correct. Thirty-nine point two, number four. So I believe you have the top two teams left. Oh wow! Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Why don't you give me the? No way the Knicks are in this list, are they? Nope. No. The Sixers? They shoot a lot of threes. Correct. Number one, forty point four percent. Wow, forty percent. Wow. Can't be Memphis. They suck at shooting threes. Phoenix? Yeah, they're probably Phoenix? bottom of the league. No way, Phoenix. There you go. Phoenix is number oh. two, 39.9. Wow. I'm, 39. Oh, damn. I'm impressed. And then quickly, the lowest three-point shooting teams in terms of catch, catch and shoot. shoot. Okay. So I'm going to take out Houston and Charlotte. They're by far the worst. <laughs> the other three teams are either play-in teams or a playoff team. So there's two that are like on the fringes of playoff slash play-in. And the other one's one of the top seeds. Okay, how about the Miami Heat? Correct. Number three at 33.9% on catch <laughs> and shoot three-pointers. Ooh, um, Memphis. Correct. Number 35, sorry, number five at 35%. Okay, and how about Luke the Raptors? going to help that, though. Surprisingly, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought they'd be in the list, too. It's because they, they don't qualify. They don't take enough catch and shoot. Uh, it's all Fred Van Vliet chucking, yeah. Fred, Fred and Gary uh, Chuckers, man. What about the Indiana Pacers? Uh, no. No, Buddy Heald's too good of a shooter. How about our so said- beloved Dallas Mavericks with Reggie Bullock shooting threes? Nope. Damn. He's no. at 38% now, surprisingly. Yeah. Really? Without their threes, yeah. they're complete garbage. What about the Atlanta Hawks? You are correct. Look at you, Raj. 34.8%. Wow. Nice. Nice. And quickly, we'll go rapid fire. You can each name two. The highest pull-up three-point percentages among teams in the NBA. Golden State Warriors. They are number four. Disappointed, Raj. eh? Uh, Pull-ups? Let's go Sacramento. Number five. Kevin Herter, baby. Well done. Red what Velvet. about Boston Celtics? 
Nope. Portland? Because of Dame? Like single-handedly? No. Nope. That was a long shot. No. What about the 76ers? Nope. Oh, the Cavs. No. Yes, number two. Wow, okay. I'm here. That's nice. What about the Nets? Not on the list. Oh, I thought Kyrie and uh, Katie would. Oh, the Suns. Keep that up. Nope. Surprisingly, no. How many do we need here? How many? So, the top two. Got two left. One's a top seed in the West, and the other is no longer in the play in in the East. (laughs) Washington? Or Brooklyn? Nope. Oh, oh. Brooklyn's still in the mix. I'm talking about a team that's in like 11 to 15 range now. Oh, my bad. I misunderstood. Indiana? Correct. Number one, 38.8%. TJ McConnell. (laughs) Well, that's mid range. (laughs) TJ McConnell. He's been all right for three this year, too. Uh, So we're we're looking for a top seed in the the West now? Is it the Nuggets? There's no way. It is the Nuggets, number three. And just quickly, the lowest pull-up three-point percentages among teams, San Antonio, 29.4%. Orlando, Lakers, Toronto. So Toronto's missing all their threes off the I told you. And Charlotte. Wow. Um, I'm surprised that we waited all the way to the end here, but uh, shouts to Austin Reeves for being a competent player on the Lakers. That's fun. I don't want to get into that storyline, but, you know, I just got to mention it from time to time. (laughs) He's good. For the next podcast. He's uh, he's got a bright future in the league. Let's just say that. Good uh, good stats corner, Josh. Those are nice. Those are some more like throwbacky questions like that. That was dope. Us old heads. I'll do my best. Us, us old heads. We, need we struggled though. Back. We struggled, man. I don't know if we want more of that. It's part of the game, man. Can't have it too easy. Got to fight for it, Raj. Josh. Josh looks like a little fish out of <laughs> head sticking out of the ocean. This <laughs> All right, and on that note, I'm going to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Raj, hit up those iTunes reviews, man. Josh, give me those Spotify stars. You can find us on... Let me me just name off these social media accounts. I got TikTok, I got Instagram, I got Twitter, and I'm on YouTube. All at Hoops Corner Pod. Look at that. All four. And on that note, or I don't even remember how I end this. And until next time... Peace.